Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Michael Brendan Doherty, who is now Senior Writer at the National Review, and we're going to be discussing Trump's first 100 days. Michael, this week we've seen lots of talk about Trump's 100 days. So it's just become quite an important benchmark for presidents now. And the impression we've got on this side of the pond, and of course we're possibly biased by a, a media that doesn't like him, is that it has been, even for people who vaguely wanted Trump to do well, not the real Trumpists, but the people who want Trump to do well, it's been a bit of a catastrophe so far, the Trump presidency. Is that is that a fair assessment? I would say it's close. It's close to a fair assessment. I mean, you had the the one major legislative push was health care, and that completely failed. Mm. And not only did it completely fail, but it failed before it even got resistance from Democrats. It failed among Republicans. Mm. You know, the Democrats haven't even really played much of a role in Trump's first hundred days. Uh, I mean, the only thing you could say that Democrats have done is that Barack Obama's appointments to federal courts over the past eight years, some of them have stymied some of Trump's executive orders, like the travel ban. Yes. And and that would be the, the other big disaster of the first hundred days was that clearly Trump and his advisors thought that they could put the political class on the back foot with a series of executive orders over a couple of weeks. And they seem not to have understood the level of resistance to the travel ban or the, or the level of hysteria that could be generated about it. Uh, and, and the effectiveness of, of state attorney generals and other judicial figures in, in just putting a halt to it. Well, and, if, and in fact, we've seen that already there seems that Trump seems to have learned that he can't make these big, bold orders. So we learned yesterday that Trump was going to was planning to do a abolish NAFTA on the hundred to mark the hundred days with a with an abolishment of NAFTA, and he was he's been taught or he seems to have been talked out of it. Um, <laughs> which there's been a sort of calming down within the White House. Is it, do you think? I think so. I think there's also been, uh, you know, if if reports are to be believed, there's also some mistrust uh, that Trump has developed with the advisors who wanted to see a more smash and grab style of governing mm. like uh, Steve Bannon. The NAFTA event was kind of shocking. Um, mm. You know, earlier this week, uh, I was at a White House briefing for conservative media figures and uh, Sec- Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross and President Trump announced that they were going to slap some what they called mirror taxes on Canadian softwood lumber mm. and that possibly dairy would be next. And these are products that are covered under um, agreements that that aren't related directly to NAFTA. And you could you could feel that it was kind of a small ball move. And I think the the NAFTA story kind of jumped out later this week precisely because, you know, a 20 percent tax on Canadian softwood lumber doesn't sound all that dramatic. Um, <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah. And uh, so. And, and so you had this surprise thing where suddenly we're being told he was going to, to cancel NAFTA almost unilaterally, mm. withdraw from it. Uh, but now he's announced that, well, he was thinking of doing it, but the leaders of Canada and Mexico have talked him out of it and talked him into renegotiating. 
I've just read probably for some listeners who don't most will, but maybe some listeners who don't know what NAFTA is. It, it's a North American free trade agreement that has been in existence since the 1990s. And Trump very much came to power promising it was just going to go. It was going to be scrapped. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, he definitely said it was the worst deal that the country has ever done. Th- yeah. Those were the kind of words he spoke about it. And I think, you know, he would say that he was going to renegotiate it at the least or get rid of it. Mm. And it just seems like he, they were scrambling for an idea for another big 100 days action, Mm. you know, because their biggest triumph so far was the, the placement of Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme court, which satisfied conservatives. You know, he was an obviously competent nominee. Yeah. It put the Democrats in a difficult position opposing him and, um, you know, that's a, a big victory. But it was one that, think about it, it is one that Trump was pushed into by uh, conservative activists during the campaign. It was it was a promise that he made when he was forced to make it, yes. was to come, come up with this list. So it's been a, a difficult first 100 days. It seems that Trump, you know, as an outsider, is, is still learning the ropes. And... Mm. In in a way, he's almost suffering from a kind of hazing from the other branches of government, yeah. um, you know, being inducted into to power this way. And this manifests itself as his popularity ratings been being so shockingly low, really, for a new president. And also, we saw perhaps in a couple of congressional elections the Republicans are not doing as well as they should in very conservative states. You could easily paint the picture that he's a lame duck president already. Yeah, I think it's too early to say that. Yeah, it's too early to say that. But it it has it does have a feeling that there is a kind of fundamental mismatch between Donald Trump and the Republican Congress and that there is a a totally new and novel in recent American history. There's a novel resistance from the other party where Mm. Democrats figured out Democratic uh, officials figured out very early that they're base just wanted complete opposition and obstruction of Trump's agenda. And um, the reason for his low approval ratings is almost entirely due to Democrats giving him no honeymoon period whatsoever. He's still popular among Republicans in general terms. It's just he has no, he has, he has no cushion on the other side. Yes. And he may have lost some of his core vote, though, on foreign policy recently, mightn't he? Right. So there's the, you know, the other thing he did was he uh, launched 59 missiles into an airbase belonging to Bashar al-Assad and seemingly opening up another front for the U.S. in Syria. Uh, But there's been a lot of confusion about what if the United States policy in Syria has really changed or whether this was a, a one-off event to kind of warn against the use of chemical weapons. So it's been a muddle on foreign policy. Of course, it's not at all reassuring when Trump says that something really big and awful could happen in the Korea peninsula, Korean peninsula. Yeah. um, This, which he did earlier this week as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he he definitely doesn't have the the uh, practice at reassuring the public about his foreign policy decisions. He, it's almost as if he's trying to create it, it has been, especially this week, almost as if he's trying to create the appearance of dramatic action as mm-hmm. if as if, you know, the um, 
as if a television show was declining in the ratings and they decided to bring more and more spectacular stunts or yeah. uh, plot twists. Yeah, jumping the sharks already 100 days in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to, this might sound a little bit anti-American, but I get the impression that the foreign policy saber-rattling, while you know, most good people find it a little bit unnerving, it doesn't go down all that badly in America, does it? There's definitely a, a, a sense that Trump is a little bit overwhelming the public. Mm. So it, it feels like these aren't being debated, or if they're being debated, they're being debated among... A, a closed group of elite people who follow foreign policy very closely. There was, there was, there was definitely a sense when he dropped the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan. There was some celebration on the right or on Fox News mm. uh, about getting tough, and there's been some reporting about the Iran deal and and what Obama actually did to get it yeah. done that has made conservatives kind of panting for action and confrontation. But actually, it wasn't just Fox, was it? I mean, I remember on the night of the Syria tumult, MSNBC anchors were sort of visibly quite excited by this. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's because yeah. it was a Syria strike. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was. there was a sense, a leftover sense. I mean, we saw it in your neck of the woods. We saw Osborne and others regret yeah. not going after Bashar al-Assad. And I think... There's a sense in some elite circles that this was something that was undone, you know, that could have been done by Cameron and Obama working together, and it was left undone. Yes, yeah. Uh, what people don't recall is that the British and American publics were against doing anything by numbers of almost seven or eight to, you know, uh, seven to three or eight to two. Yes, um, yes. At the time. I mean, I just all I'm saying is that in the last couple of weeks, I think his polling has picked up a tiny bit. People are saying that might be because he's been seen to be quite dynamic and effective on foreign policy. That might be the case. It's also just the level of hysteria from the travel ban, I think, has abated a bit. Yes. And and also, I think there is a sense that precisely because he's proving to be uh, his administration is not effecting some great revolution. Yeah. I think there's just been uh, like a slight uh, exhalation from the public of, you know, because there was a, a slice of the public who thought, my God, America's elected um, a fascist mm. and we're going to get this incredible uh, legal and social and political revolution that is going to go down in the history books. And it just seems like. It's almost as if Trump's incompetence has reassured a portion of the public. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's like his incompetence kind of is is reassuring to people who thought he was evil. Yes. And going back to the Democrats, I mean, for all the, 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 great, the, the open opportunity they have now with a president who is going to have all these problems for the next four years, they don't seem to really be very unified in, in any way. No, I mean, I think this is actually the under the undertold story of the first hundred days. Matt Continetti has an interesting column at the Washington Free Beacon today talking about how the Democrats' first hundred days of Trump aren't all that impressive either. You know, they kind of suffered the nuclear option on the Supreme Court nominee, which kind of hurt the the filibuster, which Democrats in the minority would want to use in the Senate. They don't have a singular figure to oppose Trump with. You, you haven't seen 
Chuck Schumer, who leads the Democrats in the Senate, or Nancy Pelosi in the House become sudden stars. In fact, they kind of seem just like offstage and that the real drama is either in the White House between the Bannon wing and the Kushner wing mm. or between the White House and Paul Ryan on his Republican colleague in Congress. So they just seem like offstage. Is this actually what's going to be the problem for the Democrats? Because it was for Hillary, wasn't it? It's that Trump sucks up all the media oxygen. Nobody can sort of create a narrative about any Democrat candidate or, or anything the Democrats are doing. Yes, it's very difficult. And the Democrats don't know, are, are on their heels in a way many of the Republicans were with Trump in that they are powerless before him, but there's no clear direction. They feel the energy uh, on the Bernie Sanders wing of the party, but they know looking at the numbers and the demographics that what they've lost is not so much the left wing, but the center, mm. but they don't know how to capture the center. And, and in a way it's what's interesting about this moment in American politics is that the center may not be what the political class always thought it was you know, which they always thought it was, and, and they themselves believe their center is socially liberal and kind of economically conservative. Mm. But in fact, there might be this angry center that is for protecting American workers, you know, that's that's chief value is fairness and fair play. Yes. And Trump appealed to that. And in his way, Sanders appealed to that. Yes. Well, you mean sort of middle class people who were relatively socially mobile, but not high earning enough to love the globalized economy? That's right. That's right. So I, I think that's the difficulty is that Democrats don't know how to reach those voters. You know, it's 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 no longer the 90s where the centrism could be a kind of democratic centrism could could be kind of reaching out to the south and free markets you know uh, free market thinking where you're trying to attract many car manufacturing jobs in you know dynamic states at the time like tennessee or something like that that's kind of that model is i think over and democrats haven't figured out what's next i mean the campus politics that gets all the headlines and some of the Bernie stuff isn't enough on its own. Uh, they just haven't figured out the missing piece for the middle. Mm. And one thing, going back to Trump, one thing I suppose is that the economy has been, it may have slowed down a little bit recently, but the economy really has been doing well in the first hundred days, hasn't it? Yes. In a way, you know, Trump is benefiting from from trends either he didn't set in motion or in some ways he may even be benefiting from just his rhetoric. Uh, I mean, one thing that's really interesting is the Department of Homeland Security reporting that border illegal border crossings are down perhaps 90% on the southern border. And I think that is one area, if that is down that much, and if it's because Trump's rhetoric about amnesty or about immigration or about immigrants themselves yeah. has dr driven it down, what you might see, I think, is the Trump administration try talking their way through problems. This idea that, you know, almost like a magical thing of using the bully pulpit in a way that's saying, well, we could create a new reality just by speaking in a way that politicians haven't spoken before. Yeah. We can change the trends. So, um, so you're talking about border enforcement through Twitter, effectively. You know, I think it, it's a shocking 
phenomenon. I mean, it, it, there may be other reasons yeah. uh, having to do with uh, South American politics and Mexican politics that that partly explain the phenomenon. Mm. But it is truly odd, and uh, I do. I do think that this mode of thinking will appeal to Trump. Mm. The idea that the idea that he can talk his way through problems, I think, will appeal to him. Yeah, innately. Michael, I'm going to ask you one just at the, to end. I'm going to ask you to make a prediction now on the hundredth day. Can you predict whether Donald Trump will win re-election in four years' time? Uh, I think. I think his odds are better than a coin flip. I think if you had you think to say that, today... You think they're that good? I find that, so you say it's 50-50? I, th- I think it's a little better than 50-50. I think incumbents have advantages. I think that the the Democrats have not figured out who or what can appeal to what Michael Moore called the Brexit states, mm. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin. I think... Um, now that the voting pattern in those four states has changed in the last election, it may stay changed. And uh, maybe it'll be a low turnout election in four years. But until they come up with an exciting candidate, you just have to give an advantage to Trump, even though he's struggling so much. Fascinating. Michael, great to talk to you as always. Please join us again 100 days from now. Thank you. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anytime on iTunes, so please do and have a very nice weekend. Mm-hmm.